on June 14th. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your team, Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Just a programming note, this podcast was recorded at the end of February before all these shutdowns across the U.S. and the U.K., but it was too good to hold back. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Romy Gill. Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. Oh, my guest today, the, luckily the second time is a charm. We've been, our signals have been crossed. We've been trying to get around for a while. I fell in love with this woman when I saw her present at Mad Symposium uh, a couple years ago. She is a chef. She is an educator. She is a TV and radio presenter. And now she has this incredible cookbook, Zyka, Vegan Recipes from India. She's also a member of the British Empire, which we will get to discussing. Welcome, Romy Gill. Oh my gosh, Romy, this book, Zyka. Okay, holding it up for the people who are actually watching it, not just listening. This is a work of art. I want a framed poster of this on my wall. Congratulations on this book. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for introducing the book. It's it's a book, um, something really from my heart, and a homage to my mom. Um, which she passed away sadly last year. Um, But this is the food I grew up eating when I was growing up in India. So I wanted to kind of write the food that I grew up eating as a child, share with my friends. So Zyka is all about flavors uh, of my childhood. I love it. So where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in India, in West Bengal, which is East India. Um, But my parents are from North India. Okay. So um, I grew up in a very multicultural community. Uh, My dad uh, used to work in a steel plant and people from all states came to work there. So from, 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 you know, Indian food is not just Indian. Indian food is Oh my God. There's so many... (laughs) micro cuisines that happen it's a massive massive place it is it's a regional food um you know there's so many different languages we speak we Mm -hmm. look different we uh, wear different clothes Mm -hmm. and uh but the spices stay the same (laughs) spices never change really okay so uh, i because i had assumed that there would be more sort of regionally oriented spices and stuff but there's there's a standard palette there is, like the cumin, coriander, gram masala, which is a blend of spices, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there are mustard seeds or, you know, the, mm-hmm. these things kind of everybody has them in, in their cupboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, or tandoori masala, again, a different kind of blend of spices. And chaat masala, which is in, mm-hmm. you know, the street food, um, kind of that is what I grew up. Um, and o- people mostly have those in their cupboards, but then people make their own blends at right. home. Right, yes. So I think the spices are actually, you'll have pepper and cinnamon and you know d- you know different parts will have saffron as well like in Kashmir or mm-hmm. Avadi cuisine which is from Lucknow they'll use a lot of saffron so we we use those ingredients all the spices but in a very different way yeah I love this so much and it, this is a vegan book it is yes you yourself do not adhere no I, I eat meat uh, my daughters are vegetarian and they've actually saw this documentary and they converted which them. one is it Forks uh, or, <laughs> there's so many of them now <laughs> Um, so they, I mean, you know, for the moment, they're teenagers, they want to be, let them be, because I think it's really important to understand 
what is happening to the world and very important yeah. where the food com- comes from. Plus, respect the ingredients, what you're eating yes. or cooking with. I think uh, for me, writing this book was when I grew up in India, my parents couldn't speak English. Uh, my dad worked really hard, made sure all three of uh, his their kids went to English medium and private school. Um, so th- for them, it was very, very important. Um, the education was very important to them and also the food that my mom would cook her life was all around us always and um, the four meals hot meals she would cook for you know breakfast in the morning or she would pack lunches for us when we came back from school she'll have snacks ready for us and then in the evening she'll cook the dinner for the whole family um it was all about wholesome food, comforting yeah. food. We have so much lentil, pulses, different kinds of flours, um, you know, gluten-free flours. We have a lot, ragi, which is corn flour, corn, you know, like the um, the corn, which is which we eat. We also make the chapatis with that. Mm. Um, so there are so many different uh, things that we ate. And seasonal vegetables was very important. Seasonality is such a huge thing. I mean, I grew up with... Um, my mother, bless her, <laughs> fed us, but not with, it was out of duty rather than any sort of love of food. It's sort of an interesting thing. Like she always loved eating, but not food. It's, you know, and it's it's sort of different activities. Like she liked you know, getting people together around the, the, the table and actually like consuming food, but not sort of as much caring about like sort of what the what the food is. And most of the recipes were high school home ec. <laughs> and uh, in my family on that especially on that side the culture was kind of erased because both of my grandparents were first generation Mm. American and my grandmother's parents died when she was very young and she was raised by a German housekeeper so she didn't get (laughs) the Italian and my they were both very Italian so they didn't get the recipes and then my grandfather um just encountered so much racism where he was in Pennsylvania his mother didn't speak English and stuff so and he this this always breaks my heart. Um, wouldn't eat garlic because he didn't want to smell Italian because he knew that people would judge him yes. for that. And so we didn't uh, get that kind of stuff. So my mother would make these these meals, but it was kind of the most generic <laughs> things and nothing seasonal. It was uh, you know or the, you know frozen things and and canned things. So I've as an adult come to appreciate that. But for you, it was always just something. This is it's this season, so we eat this thing. And, I think also that, and I'm as a first generation in the UK, so yeah. my husband and myself. You live first. in Bristol. Bristol, yes, in England. Um, so it, we are the first generation, and my daughters are now teenagers. They're born in that. They're very So England is my homeland. UK yeah. is my homeland. I come from a homeland from India, born and brought up there. But I was very young when I moved. Um, you were 17? Uh, 22. 22. 22. Okay. Years ago, 22 was quite young. You know, you're naive. You're <laughs> a little baby. <laughs> you know, also different cultures, the yeah. way you brought up. Um, and I think for me, this was not a book that because the trend is going on about vegan. Right. You know, it was something that I cherished as my mom's memory. Although, although travel, we did like long journeys. You know, she would yeah. make these beautiful picnics. Um, so I think that I wanted something very close to my heart. And mm-hmm. I wanted people to pick up a book. Yes, recipes are very important. But also telling a story is very important. This is this book is a love letter to your mother. Yes, it, it is. Really, everything um, comes through yeah. with that. And uh, you write in there about moving to England and, and using the food as a, as a bridge to... Because you were lonely. It was. It was. I mean, um, you know, you when you come from a different country... A, yes, you could speak English, but also at the same time, 
you don't you leave your friends yeah. the friends you grew up with you leave you leave the family and above all the food you you yeah. you know you leave all that um and and you come and you have to make new friends you have to um you have to do that otherwise i think you will go insane right. you know um, <sighs> it, it is it, it's something you, and also food uh, kind of connects people and make the bridges come closer rather than apart yeah. and people sharing those story, stories as food stories i think food became i think it's also saved me in yeah. many ways let's talk about that it saved me um you know i as you know you you know um, as i came from in india and my husband you know he's a, he's amazing he's lovely yeah. he's he's a great man but i think what i went through a journey i i wouldn't want that to happen to anybody you know yeah. it's something i don't talk much about it but only recently that i've started yeah. to talk about it. i think it is important to share that that women of certain age women of color if you want to achieve something you can do it yeah. you know and i think it takes people like you who are willing to go out and talk in public and i mean i'll say that women of of color and women of a certain age are not given media time and camera time and 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 all that until maybe the tide has shifted more recently so people didn't necessarily always have somebody to to look to in in magazines and on screen and things we were talking before we got on here about Madhur Jaffrey and yes. and how she broke so much ground she with opened doors so for us for yeah. me for a lot of women in the yeah. industry especially indian women um she opened that door mm-hmm. and we are here because of that as well mm-hmm. i think it's important to cherish that because madhu jafri is something beautiful um she has this energy this uh, this kindness about her and this um, larger than life you right. know tiny little lady <laughs> but beautiful lady yeah. she is fantastic and i have um i admire her a lot and i think also women like my mom you know yeah. um a beautiful lady who who loved enjoyed cooking and what's what's her name um her name was balwant and she balwant means strong lady and uh, <laughs> she was strong she had um when i was doing my gcses i don't know if you know the gcses like 10th grade okay. um very important part um to go on to, to then do the a levels um she was diagnosed with cancer and my mom's life was as i said was so much about food and then she couldn't taste food because That's... she used to kind of put so much salt in the food and i said to my dad dad i really would like to go in the hospitality industry and i want to be a chef within seconds he said no way he said <laughs> because you won't survive because right. still in india very handful of women chefs around you know and the men are the ones who get all the press for exactly, it and... exactly any television shows you watch you know are, are all about men uh, on on the tv in india as well so i think in a way he was right and sometimes as a youngster you think that your parents are um you know not giving the opportunity you want to but in a certain way he was very many ways he was mm-hmm. correct but i think if if you have something in you and you mm-hmm. want to do something you will do it and i mean you know <laughs> kind of i am that kind of person yeah. and um and then the doctor said to 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 my my dad and i was very little that um she hasn't got long to live my mom mm-hmm. you know but she lived more than 40 years That's she was a so strong cool. lady oh you my. know and having i was actually having a conversation with a colleague early today as she and i both grew up with mothers who were were sick in various ways that's a really hard thing when when you are young mm. uh 
also when you're older, yes. uh, that the person who is, in theory, supposed to take care of you and stuff needs care. And I feel like this is a common thread for a lot of people who go into hospitality, that you end up wanting to take care of everybody. Like, I know that when my mother was unable to sort of cook for the family, mm-hmm. I thought, well, guess it's gonna be me now (laughs) and and learned how to cook and my friend was saying too about sort of coping in the face of that and you just want to end up feeding people and but it's it's also hard if if somebody is having a hard time eating and it's a really rough time so uh, so when you're doing these things how old are you I I was like um, about 15, 14, 15. Were you cooking Uh, at this No, my dad's a great cook. Oh, yeah. You've spoken so well of your dad. I um, love it. Do you know what? He would go to work, Mm -hmm. work really hard, and my mom would still do it, Mm -hmm. you know? She was such a strong, amazing lady. And he would... he would come home and do everything. He was like, no, you've got to study. You've got to do become something of yourself, you know. And I think, he, and he enjoyed cooking. And it, it was yeah. something, it was um, stress relief for him yeah. as well, you know. That's so think, such a lovely thing. And, you know, feeding people is such a very particular act. And it's something that we can do, even if we can't articulate our feelings yes. always, like giving somebody you know, a dish of, of something is a really great caretaking kind of way. And I know that, you know, food is used in so many different ways when there's a sickness, a funeral, a, you know, something people yeah. show up with dishes. It, it is. I think it's a celebrations of grief, of celebrations mm-hmm. of sadness, happiness. Yeah. Everything is food. I mean, if you have different, 10 different people from different communities, from mm-hmm. different, who speak different languages, but if you bring the food and you don't understand the language, the food will speak the language. Yeah. So I think food is connection between so many people in many different ways. I think that is what, um, for me, is a medium that... Um, you know, my daughters have grown up and they're very, you know, they are um, very sensible and they are capable of making things for themselves. Mm-hmm. But also they've grown up with good food. Right. <laughs> so they've grown up with good food and they understand the flavors so well. For me, I think f- with Indian food, for any kind of food, seasoning is so important. Yeah. I think that was one thing that was that I couldn't understand when mom had had cancer right you know she was not able to you know have the seasons she wanted so I think that really molded me up shaped my life in Mm -hmm. many ways for what I am today and made me stronger and I could see how strong she was and I became a strong lady I fought to be where I am today Mm -hmm. I'm not I think for me it's always there people you need to ask people nobody's I didn't have a godfather in the industry Mm -hmm. There was no one to hold my hand and say, "This is, this is, a, I'm your mentor. I'll help you." Mm-hmm. I didn't have any of the, that, and I think you have to write to people. You have to connect with people, and the people will say either no or yes. And if somebody's in a good mood, they might say yes. <laughs> so I say that too. And also very important to have mentors. So how did you find it? So you you moved to the UK, you're you're 22 and and trying to find community in in various ways and things. How did you decide, your your father said like, no, don't go into restaurants, don't do that thing. When did that switch flip for you? Because you you come to food in various ways as, as a chef, as an educator, as a radio and TV presenter, as a cookbook author. So how did this career take shape from little 22-year-old Romy? I think um, I was extremely excited to come to UK. And then the excitement after a couple of weeks was like really 
depressing weather, yeah. really cold. <laughs> um, and also, I never seen supermarkets before. It might be petty things for some people. I never seen a supermarket yeah. because supermarkets exist in India now. But that time, no, we had local tiny shops. We supported the local produce. We supported the local, um, you know, people who had local shops. Mm-hmm. So I think that is what I grew up with. And when I came here, 20 different kinds of yogurt, um, avocados <laughs> for seeing for oh, first right. time, you know, and there is all this meat, all these vegetables. Um I mean, that was all the excitement and all the buildings mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing. And But it was really depressing for me at the yeah. times when the weather was quite cold and, and, and dark. I think that my husband took me out for a meal, said, let's go to Indian food. And, and I was super excited to go out mm-hmm. and eat. And then we went to this beautiful restaurant and... Um, the food, when it came out, it looked all the same, tasted mm-hmm. all the same. And I was like, what is this? This is not Indian food. But this was the the Bangladeshi's uh, restaurant serving Indian food. But the thing is, I have a lot of respect for them mm-hmm. because if those people did not introduce the British people with the spices, with the curries that people in the 1950s or, and you know, they didn't introduce, we, I wouldn't be here today. Because they opened the door for us. They're the one who introduced the British people to all the spicy food. Um, But I necessarily wouldn't be eating that food. So I grew up in a very different kind of way of eating food. Um, It was quite sweet food. It was food with colorings. Um, But, but, you know, that is five pints of lager and a curry. There's always a place for people. Because I always think there's, I always think of it as sort of Brick Lane curry. Yes. And it's, yeah, and it's best if you're a little drunk yes. and and it and it's really delicious and yes. things, but it's so different from the cuisine that i think of as being sort of regional indian exactly. cuisine and exactly i think that that rest, those restaurants are amazing and they yeah. have a place in the uk heart because i think we should not forget that because yeah. they made the curry houses and they brought us to the british people who can understand the food and then years later a lot of wonderful restaurants opened mm-hmm. and then came to show I don't yes. know if you've eaten in Dishim. I it was always too it's always been too crowded for me to go <laughs> when I've been in London. So but. I think Dish there were Michelin star restaurants, but um, it, but Dishim was the restaurant that actually completely changed the food scene, Indian food scene. Yeah. Um, because people from young ages, people from um, older generation, or people with money, with people with less money, could go and eat there. Mm-hmm. So they wanted everybody to be equal, equal there. Yeah. I think that's the ethos. And Shamil, who is the owner. He's fantastic, very knowledgeable, very amazing guy. And um, I think they completely changed the food scene. And my daughters love it as well. I think Dishim, for me as well, and for many others, mm-hmm. was something that you can go and eat there. Yes, there's long queues. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are a few of them in town now, so you can actually choose the one to you go, want to go to. I'm never in London long enough. I yes. need to make more time to go there. And I feel like in, in New York, because we've always had, you know, Sixth Street and and, and, the, and then Floyd Cardoz came along yes. and and opened some beautiful places mm-hmm. and, you know, as he continues to do and yes. that sort of opened it up for more chefs. Who I think the thing that people needed to get over in New York is they had thought of it as being inexpensive and, and you know, celebrational and all that kind of stuff. But people and again this is one of those funding questions people yeah. weren't given the money to do high end indian restaurants and stuff. Exactly. so as that's changed over the past you know bunch of years or something it's been really a joy and a revelation to be able to see this uh, all these these cuisines really celebrated mm. in the manner that they are supposed to be and not just sort of a 
a quick fix kind of thing. I mean, it's changing. I mean, and yeah. I always say to people that when I come to New York, uh, the Indian food scene is changing. It's, yeah. it's taken a long time, but it is changing. And people are also want to taste the food. People are are able to understand actually the Indian food, you know? Yeah. And then you guys have amazing food writers, journalists. Yes, we you do. Know? You know, so the, everything is changing. It takes time. Yeah. But I think uh, what we had in the UK is now you guys are going to have that <laughs> suddenly. Yeah. And I will also say you could always go out to Jackson Heights and yes. have some really great stuff. So I think I was thinking about that in a particular Manhattan-centric yes. kind of way. But yeah, you could always go out to Jackson Heights where yes. people actually live and are cooking for themselves and the ingredients are it's fun available. And so And also, you know, not very expensive either and very mm-hmm. tasty. Yeah. And the, the thing I always, the regret I always hear from people uh, friends of mine who grew up in India and live here is that we can't get all the mangoes. We, we get like one or two different kinds of mangoes or something. And, but I've also seen chefs really sort of adapt and use uh, what is around them. Uh, yes. Like uh, Vishbat, who is, lives in Oxford, Mississippi, like he cooks Southern food, you know, with like some Indian flavors and mm. stuff. And he was like, well, I guess we have peaches here. So I'm going <laughs> to adapt and, and use peaches for, for what I do. And he's come up with like just Oh, he's so special. I can't wait for his cookbook to come out. I think you have to. When I moved to UK, yeah. I couldn't drive. So I didn't know yeah. how to drive. So the specialty shops yeah. were far away. Right. You know, so I couldn't drive and I was scared to go on a bus in case I got lost. Right. And also phones were not a necessity. Everybody didn't have mobiles like have we have. You had those big, big, big oh, brick. The br- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those. Yes. So I think... Um, so I, I was, you know, quite nervous about going to certain places which I was not comfortable in. Um, so I would adapt whatever I could find from yeah. supermarkets or local shops and I would make. And um, this is how I, I used to ring my mom. Uh, mom, I picked, the, you know, this something, this is looks like this. Um, what do I do with it? She would say, just add some spices and mm-hmm. try this. And the avocado, I don't still don't like the taste of it. Yeah. But if I'm making chutney, there's one in here, mint and coriander oh. with avocado and apple. Uh, it's beautiful. You know, it's not like a, go- it's like a chutney. Like mm-hmm. we make a lot of fresh chutneys in India. Mm-hmm. And it works well. You know, you have to adapt with things. You have to find the fish. I live in Southwest. Devon is the most wonderful uh, fish, you seafood you get. So I will cook the fish from from UK and not wait for India to get the frozen one. Right. You know, so for me, I think you have to adapt as a chef. You have to create new dishes. And also, it's important that what others are going to, how it's going to affect your taste for others. Right. So you have to adapt all that, you know. You cannot, nowadays, we live in a world that has become really... Uh, com- you know, it's becoming smaller and smaller. We travel a lot with food. We understand. Yeah. I think that's what I loved about Anthony Bowden was, Tony oh, was, that yeah. he, um, he, yes, he had his flaws. Yes, he had, everybody He's has. He's a human oh, being. <laughs> it, we all do. Right. But do you know what? He gave so much respect to the country he went to. Yeah. And he would say to live in the shoes of the people, try the food. Even if you are not able to afford to go foreign land try to be in the country you're living in and try the food i think that is so important mm-hmm. and you can't judge someone from how you look or or the food it is you have to taste the food of that person yeah and and sit down and have yeah. a conversation and i i think one of the things i always appreciated about him was that he opened up the world for a lot of people who i think so yes. many people operate from a place of fear i mean and and we're the culture in the U.S., and I know it's similarly difficult in the U.K. Mm-hmm. right now, It's there's this messaging 
being hammered to us from politicians to be afraid of people who are are different from us or come from a different place. And the truth of it is we wouldn't be who we are. Our lives would be so much smaller without people who came in from somewhere else to offer a perspective of a bigger world, who are kind enough to offer their culture to, who have taken the risk to go somewhere else. And I think that should be rewarded in, instead of uh, be, be feared. Yeah. And this political climate that we're in just uh, disturb, disturbs sad. and disgusts me. Mm. And, uh, you know, I know it's it's cliche to talk about food or reduce uh, and say, like, oh, this will bridge us all because it can only go so far. But it can get people together around a table. Ideally, I hope it does. It, uh, I mean, look at look at England. Look at us. We are done oh. Brexit. You know what is oh, wrong I'm with so sorry. it? I know. And it's brought racism back. It was, yeah. you oh, know, it was never, always there. I think. It, you know, it was there. Yeah. But people have actually become really open about, you know, they're yeah. really aggressive towards you. And what's your profession as well? The way I mean, recently, I've never in 20 years, years been asked. I was going on a first class. Um, um, I've, it was a TV shoot. I was going there. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the coach which was first class. And this lady came and asked me, uh, can you show your ticket? And in not, like a passenger or no, no t- ticket collector. Okay. And she never asked anybody else. Oh, Jesus so it's clearly that it's, it was there, but it's actually people are more um, not you know they just just do these things. And I, I I laughed because what what else could you do? I didn't want to shout at her. I didn't yeah. want it to be like her. And the people who were sitting beside me and said. Why didn't you say anything? You know, the the people were really nice, and they said, "Why didn't you say anything?" I said, it "Doesn't matter. I am just well, not going to be negative." They, well, they also could have said, "Like, hey, why are you asking her?" <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's the thing that I've sort of had to learn as as a white person yeah. is to like use my privilege to <laughs> yell at people in in a way because I, you know, I have the privilege of being able to do that now i sort of realize like oh it's my responsibility to which i should have been doing all along to Mm -hmm. question these sort of things and you know give voice to people who you know are being affected by this stuff i think voice you can do um, maybe we can all do uh give a voice to people yes political in many ways Mm -hmm. but also through food talk about people through food yeah you know this on the podcast we try to very much bring in yes. just you know all different kinds of people to share their story. Everybody's got a story worth telling. Yeah, they they really they really do. And so I'm I'm curious also that I I want to go back to this about your your um so you're there and you're trying to find your way out to markets and things. How did you realize that there was a place for you as a professional in? In this, because it's, it's one thing to absolutely love food and be passionate about it and share it as, as a gift, and there's another thing to take the risk to make your living from it. I think um, going back to the question was when I went out with my husband and yeah. the colors, and then oh, yeah. I was always this, and I said, "That's it. I am opening a restaurant." <laughs> <laughs> no experience, nothing. And um, he was like, "This lady is going to open a restaurant. <laughs> this is not going to." And he didn't say anything to me. Twenty years later, I did. But when I, um, when I once I've had my kids, my my uh, daughter was very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was tiny baby, uh, two months old or three months old. And I just started writing to um, different restaurants. I started writing um, to cookery schools that 
please don't pay me. Please let me learn how to do it. Yeah. I want to come and learn. I want to teach. And also I had a really dear friend who, who became a friend through school, uh, my daughter's preschool and stuff, my eldest. And she said, Romy, you're good at talking. Please teach people. Yeah. We need that. Teach people how to do that. And that actually gave me really encouragement because you need the push. Yeah. You need that push. You know you can do it. I think she pushed me. Mm-hmm. And um, I have acknowledged her in that book because she was one of those first people who kind of said, yes, you should do this. And also I think that gave me, I started making samosas. I can go my eyes and make samosas now. <laughs> I started making samosas, chutneys, pickles, sauces from my home. Um, you know, I started my business from my, my home. That was that is why my restaurant was called Romy's Kitchen because, you know, I I started that from my kitchen. And um, I think it, that kind of um, then I started street food, um, local farm shops, you know, you know, local fairs, everything. And then eventually I found this place where I live in my town in Thornbury, um, I did not want to open a restaurant because my daughter was very little. And I didn't want to open a restaurant that far, far away that I couldn't, if something happened, I wouldn't be able to reach to them. So um, I saw this beautiful building and it's a great two-listed building. Uh, It took me three and a half years, Kat, to get the planning permission. Wow. Anybody in the right mind would have given it up. <laughs> Thank God you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so I fought for that. And then nine months of the builders taking long time. Of course, yeah. she's a woman. It's fine. She'll, you know, and then banks refused a loan. Yeah. So banks wouldn't give me a loan because A, I was a woman. First time women rest- opening a restaurant. And mm-hmm. thirdly, a woman of color. Yeah. So everything was going against. And I said to my husband, I'm not going to give this up. I had a lot of gold jewelry and savings and other things. Um, I said, I'm, I rang my parents and I said, I don't wear this gold jewelry, which is yellow. My daughter's never going to wear this. Um, can I sell it? I said, it was given to you that, you know, yes, do it. And we did. Because I just think that instead of banks not giving me loan, I can do that. Yeah. But then BBC came and uh, they did a feature on me. They heard from someone that um, the banks are refusing her loan. And yet the government gives the banks for small businesses to give the money. So they did this feature. Next day, NatWest gave me a loan. <laughs> so the power takes, of media. Yes, yes, you know. yes indeed. <laughs> so I think um, that was amazing. So it worked really well. I think also sheer determination and also I think you have to believe in something you'd be uh, proving yourself is fine you know you need to prove it to yourself rather than anybody else oh we are harshest critics yes it's uh, I don't know anyone who is worse to me than me (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are you know and then that happened it was uh, it became a successful restaurant but none of the food writers came to write about me why is that um, I was far away from London, mm-hmm. and also I think I didn't have a PR. I didn't want to pay yeah. for the PR. I didn't have. I didn't. Yeah, you know, I spent every money on the restaurant to open yeah. that. You know, beautiful restaurant, and uh, I think um, I said to my staff, "Sorted. I'm going to London. I'm going to do a pop up there. I've been asked to do this. I'm going to go for two weeks in January. Um, this is it." I said to my staff, "Take a week off, ten days off." Next week, I won't be here. You guys are going to manage this. And I, I'm going to London and see. Carousel, I really, again, I have an acknowledged them in the book. They changed my life. Mm-hmm. So Carousel is a place where they bring all the re- chefs from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And you do a residency. 
for how long? You can do for one week, you can do for two weeks. So they said, Romy, we will only give you in January. You'll have to do for two weeks. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I cried because um, January is the dead month for chefs. It's so hard. People go out to restaurants in the cold months. It's It's dead. And I thought, do you know what? Just do it. First day, I had like 20 people Mm -hmm. and I just burst down into tears. I said, what am I doing here? Nobody (laughs) wants to come and eat. And you know, the next day, Faye Mashlon, she's a food critic, amazing food for Evening Standard. She came Mm. and she loved my food and wrote a little snippet in there said, you know, that I'm doing this residency. Kat, I've been doing this for four years now. This will be my fifth year. I couldn't do it in January because I was filming. And so I'm doing, in, I think, in May. And they completely changed my life. And she and and, and Carousel completely changed my life. So food critics like Gaze and a lot of other people, Richard Vines, they all came to eat there. Um, and a lot of chefs came to eat and supported mm-hmm. me. And I think that it, that was it. People then started coming to my restaurant. That's <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> so I think you... You you have to go and get it. You don't have to wait for somebody to hand it to you. So I think I just did it. And I, I was really lucky enough that Faye came. She loved the food. So people like every January, every time it gets fully booked. And, and, and you know, the guys in Carousel are amazing. So I think you have to go and get it for yourself. I think people noticed me. That's how BBC noticed me and, and got this TV series I'm doing or... um. I do this food and farming um, uh, radio for with Sheila Dillon, you know, yeah. um, which Dan Saladino is, is producer as oh, well. Oh, he's sometimes. so wonderful. Um, but my producer is Claire, um, Claire Salisbury. She's a fantastic mm-hmm. young lady, and I love her to bit. And I work with Sheila Dillon. So these are, and Claire McGinn, who's a radio for, she was the program head at that time. So I think all these women has actually really helped me somehow in some way. And um, and, and, and men, you know, some mm-hmm. everybody's equally helped me in some kind of way and I think it's very very important to acknowledge these people never forget who who put you there because right. it's so important I think we forget that when you become that person mm-hmm. and become very well known like when I was traveling um in, in airlines recently and when I came to New York and this uh, um air stewardess came to me um oh are you the chef are you Romy I said yes oh. and she, she was can I take a picture with you can I can I can you sign sign me so um my, you know give me a, a if you have a book I want you to sign it in a piece of paper and I will put that in my uh, in, in the book I said don't worry I have a book for you oh, I signed so it and lovely. gave it to her I think that is is something carousel changed you know for me so I think um I I love those guys bit because I I think it, it you can do what you are good at it but also somebody has to give that little push to you it it really it helps so much you and I have been talking I think before we started recording about the importance of finding a, a mentor so important but also then being one once you get oh, wow. and yes I've seen you lift up so many people mm. Um, how do people seek you out? How do they how do they find you? How do they they reach out? And then how do you deal with the onslaught of attention? Because you are a public person, you are on the radio and TV and all of that. And and that is a that is increasingly part of being a chef. Yes. But it also is a, a it takes a chunk out of you as a human. How do you how do you walk that I th- line? I think when I opened the restaurant, I just didn't want to to be a, a woman who just woke up and opened a restaurant. You right. know, a lot of people were there for me to fail. 
There were a lot of men wanted, chefs were waiting for me to fail. Mm. I didn't want to give that satisfaction. Um, <laughs> plus, at the same time, I didn't want it to be Romy's Kitchen and Romy in there and that's it lost. I wanted um, to give, you know, men, especially women or men, that actually she's done it and I can do it. I want yeah. to do in the business. And I, I, I just think that it's so important to help. When you are in a position to help people, you should help. It's so, so important because there are so many um, young generation, young boys, young men, young women bullied in this industry sometimes, you know. But if you find a right mentor, you can help them. Yeah. How you can do this is so important. Any industry, I think. And if somebody approaches me on Instagram, I never, ever, or Twitter, or anywhere, or email, I never say to, no to them. I all, I still don't have an agent cat. I don't oh have an agent. Oh my gosh, agent. so you just, you really are just doing all this on your own. <laughs> I, I expected you to roll in with the team. And... I think I will need agent soon. <laughs> it's just happening too much too soon. Dear just agents, pick up from me. <laughs> um, I think it, it's so important that you actually talk to people you yeah. reply to them even if you can't do it say look I can't do it I can do this or I can introduce you to this person who can help you yeah I think this is why I love about Jamie Oliver he he's, is fantastic yeah so he was um you know I, I did something with his Jamie's 15 with the kids and and then that's how I came to know him and and you know I any advice or anything I'll say he's always there to help me he's promoted my book I've cooked for him you know, at, at the headquarters a few times. Um, I'm doing that back again in April, I think. Okay. So I think he is one of those guys who gets a lot of criticism. Sometimes people or the press picks it up and that oh, they yeah. forget the goodness he's done. Yeah. And then we pick about the little thing that we... We, as you said, are humans. We always have ups and downs. We do make mistakes. If we don't make mistakes, we are not humans, right? So I think... He is one of the guys um, who is fantastic, who's helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I, then, then I think, you know, he's such a big figure all over the world. Yeah. If he can pick up and message me and say, Rumi, you know, fantastic, do this. Or how can I help you? You know, these are the things that matter that you have to pass it on to the generations yeah. that are coming for in, the, in, the, in, in the industry, you know. This, it's absolutely true. And he, he in particular is such a lovely, lovely human. He was on the mm -hmm. podcast a few weeks ago yes. and it was funny. We were sort of in a time cruncher else I could have gone on all day with, yes. with him. Um, and what I really appreciate about him especially is he was unafraid to talk about having had to close yes. a lot of his places because I, and this is, this has been something that we've really been talking about at, at food and wine is talking about those, those moments of setback and how you come back from that. And to me, for him, that's not a failure to have had to close those places because keeping them open for that long is a huge triumph. It is, it is, it is. And so you closed a place in this this past year, but you had just sort of gotten to a point where like, and, you know, this life cycle mm. is, is done. So we, can we talk a moment yeah. about that? I think um, um, I didn't see my daughters for a very long time yeah, because I now I mean I, practically for six years I didn't really see them because I used to go home really late and then they had to go in the morning to school I used to get in, get up and see them and then by the time I was I was back to work so and my husband who did everything and and the weekend as well I was exhausted oh, yeah. if I was not exhausted I was doing something to making sure that Romy's Kitchen is successful people are knowing and you're doing all these demos or or talks or anything like that so I think a decision was 
I had to make a decision because by the time I opened and had the place running for you know running for such a long time, and then also the in between those three and a half years as well. So that lease was you know up, yeah. and I just I didn't want it to carry on another ten years yeah. in the same place. You know, sometimes a place that you have it 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 has its time, and you have yeah. to move on. That's so. I think that was a decision very. Um, I had to do it with a really heavy heart because I was really upset in many ways because I wanted maybe I could do a few more years, but then I thought, no, this this, this just can't, I can't yeah. sustain it there. Uh, and then also um, it was time to move on to another place. And I wanted to have some time with my, my daughters. And yeah. then in between doing that, my mom passed away and that happened. And then the book immediately, I had to come back from India after her funeral. Yeah. Two days we, we shot this book. Oof. Because the publishers couldn't change the dates. Um, so at that time was a very dark time for me. For that yeah. year, last year was really, I, really I difficult time for me. Almost a year ago. Yes. And that was such a... I mean, you were, you were, I think, very so, like, raw in your feelings yeah. and things. And you were a good daughter. Like, you really, really are. And I knew that um, it felt like you had gone... Not just to process your own grief, but take care of your dad too in a yes. really, really special and meaningful way. I think also, um, like I met Kim, Kim Severson in, yeah. at Matt, um, she's an amazing lady, and um, she introduced me to features edited for travel editor Amy. So I wrote this article for New York Times, traveling with my dad in a grief where I'm yeah. grieving in a different different way. He's grieving in a different way. Yeah. We did this travel journey for New York Times to Himachal, and it's a beautiful article. Yeah. If you haven't read it, please do go and read it. We'll it's include beautiful. the link. Yes, in it's a beautiful journey. Um, both of us going on and searching in India. It's like a home. It's 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 being a tourist in your homeland. So because, I love that. I, uh, I do that in, in the States a you lot. Know, because you, you're, like America is such a big country, you, people don't go from one place to another. I think, um, and then um, the book came, and then the TV people came to me with the Ready, Steady, Cook. Yeah. Um, Which is back after 10 years. 10 years. I'm so excited. So I'm one of the talents for it, one of the chefs. Um, and they came, and I said to, her name is Kat as well, Catherine, but I call her Kat. And I said, Kat, please don't give me any more bad news. I cannot take it. I cannot, I cannot physically or mentally take any bad news right. and she said no this is good news <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you for good news so um, I think that completely again changed turn, turn, turn around tables then the book came out yeah. uh, third printing did you say third printing yes oh, that's so wonderful uh, um, and Jamie's given a quote for it on my third yeah. print so I'm so excited about that um, I think and then um, you know doing so many other things it's just Sometimes you do, we all go in dark corners. Oh, How you come out of yeah. dark corners. And I message you sometimes when I'm really feeling, um, I need help from someone. Who it's, do I talk to, you know? It's so, it, it, and it's so hard to reach out for help sometimes. Yes. I know that when I am in my darkest phases of depression yes. and anxiety and all that stuff, I... I can't reach out and even and and I know it frustrates the people who are around me and who love me and you know some people know better than others mm. that I just it's so hard for me to reach back and mm. I I have a, a, a dear friend uh John DeVore who um some people listening to this might know him he's the one who wrote the Taco Bell essay <laughs> that won all the James Beard awards <laughs> uh, we've been friends for 20 some years and we've both have acknowledged that we have times when one of us is at 
the bottom of the well and the one who is currently like able to be at the top of the well can just like shine a flashlight yeah. down there. He's still down there. Okay, just like send a wave up and uh, you know and let me know you know when it's time to like send down the rope and pick you and 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 lift you up. Yeah, yeah. And even sometimes and he actually taught me a really beautiful uh, and generous thing, saying like, "No need to respond. I'm just thinking about you." Because yeah. that takes the pressure off when you're depressed. Yes, it can be really hard to form those words. I think I am not a, I, I don't talk to many people as you know but I, I, I don't know how I find comfort in you and I'll yeah. message you I know you're there yeah. even sometimes when you're busy and you come back and say I'm fine yeah. um, so I, I just think there, there are sometimes you need some people that actually can be yeah. there for you yeah. just like yes he said wave at you and that's it and sometimes you don't want to open to people you don't want yeah. to talk to anybody else I think um, I, I, I put my head down and I just cook I yeah. I I this this year like February um the tenth was when my mum passed away. I just yeah. made sure yeah. I cooked. I co- I was around my family, I was around my friends. I all I did was very busy. So I didn't want her to think. Of course she's in my mind in my yeah. head. But I didn't want her to I wanted to cherish her memories yeah. and rather than being really, you know, up down. And I thought, what can I do something in in honor of my mom? And I do this haircut every two, you know, two yeah. years. So I chopped my nine inches hair and I gave it to Cancer Charity. <laughs> it's pu- your hair is beautiful. Um, and I do that every two years. But I, th- I wanted to do something beautiful for my mom. I think yeah. you have to find things in your way um, to be able to do. You know, we all are different. We all do different things. And I just think for me, staying around my friends and my family yeah. was something I think. I, I really needed that. I didn't want it to be alone. Not a single day I did not want to be alone. So I, I thought I... And my neighbors are fantastic, I yeah. think. Um, so they were all around me and we all ate food, celebrated in memory of my mom. And I, I think it's fantastic to do that. Those year anniversaries or just those anniversaries in general are, are such... Those are those are hard. Hard. <laughs> uh, hard and also cold weathers are terrible oh, and dark, <laughs> dark days are terrible. I think that was something, you know... Um, um, yeah, I think you needed to be surrounded with family and friends and food. I think food is best thing. It's such a good thing. And then this show, uh, this the, the the TV that is all coming up for you is I love it because you and I have talked about this. There are not nearly enough uh, brown and black women on camera, and uh, you know, and I feel like. It's changing a tiny bit, but not nearly at the pace that that it it should. And you know, I feel like you were saying Mater Joffrey like definitely broke ground for people. Um, I think Samin Nosrat, like yes. you know, having her on camera and being her glorious, Just gorgeous joyous. self. Yeah, she she was our very first podcast guest yeah. <laughs> on, on this, and we're coming up. Uh, I think today, actually, uh, our 52nd episode goes wow. up and we're almost to uh, the year point of this. But she was such a great place to to start this. But I feel like, you know, her having this incredible show that she did such a beautiful job on beautiful. and such a perfect translation mm-hmm. of this incredible book that she wrote, you know, is coming through on this. But like it, to me, it just makes me want more and more and more sort of women of color and you know and, and queer people and non-binary people and just the faces we're not used to, yes. to seeing who should have had these shows all along i think people oh, netflix amazon anyone dear listening netflix, anyone dear listening Hulu, dear. I think we, uh, the men or the women sitting in those positions need to really believe in us yeah. you know they if you believe and we can be really fun why it's got to be three men on on you know 
on you know, this or channel or this uh, cooking. I think women can cook. Why when you know women, all the grandmas, the nonas. I want I want to cook with my dad. I want to travel with him and go to different countries yeah. and cook and make a show with my dad who doesn't yeah. speak English. It'll be fantastic, I you know. Our um, Kush Bushaw, who is our our uh, restaurant editor, and God, she's spectacular. And and uh, she was talking about and nobody still this idea. This is Kush Bush. Uh, she wants to do a show cooking with aunties. Yes. <laughs> and uh, like grandmas, aunties, perfect. Yeah, I you think know? it's such a wonderful thing because her her point in particular, and I hope she won't kill me for talking about her idea again. This is Coach Boo's idea. <laughs> uh, let her have this, and hopefully, maybe at Food Wine we can do this yes. show because she was saying aunties aren't afraid to call you on stuff and tell oh, you no. what you're doing wrong. Especially Indians. <laughs> um, actually, could you explain Indian aunties, please, for for folks who may not know? Uh, they are very busy buddies. They want to know what's <laughs> happening, what you're wearing, why you're eating, who you're dating, why you're dating, what you're dating, everything. So they are, and they the biggest gossip aunties as well. And, and they may not be your actual like aunt. <laughs> yes, they're not. We have to call every um who's older than you you have to call them auntie and uncles <laughs> I, love it. I, I just think that's such a such a fun job i would watch the hell out of that show and what i would happily watch you and and your dad do this and i want to put this out to the universe to a previous <laughs> podcast guest uh priya krishna who uh you know i asked her like what is like a thing that you want and she was saying you know tv show like and i think you're actually cooking for her tomorrow <laughs> yes she's coming to my uh, james beard dinner she wrote this spectacular book called Indianish. And yes. I was like if we are you know, she does these fantastic videos for yes. Bon Appetit and stuff, but she deserves a Netflix show. Yes. I think so many women out there that's why I'm saying that so, so many women of colour, mm-hmm. so many other women as well, you know, different women. Um you know, take them back. The Netflix just have to show, do a show, Netflix or Amazon, any anybody. Mm-hmm. One needs to do a show, people of different nationalities, mm-hmm. taking them back to their countries and talking with their mums, their grandmas, their aunties, anyone, and talking the heritage. Yeah. And then bring that heritage back and all these women cook together. It's something beautiful that I have created called Seven Sisters. We, um, uh, all the women chefs and food writers cook together every year. Um, really? And we raise money for Action Against Hunger. Um, and we all bring different kind of food on the table and then people buy tickets and we raise the money for the charity. Where does this happen and when does it happen? Um, so it, it happens every year uh, in London or Bristol. It started from Bristol because I'm from Bristol and then we had it in, uh, in London. So this year it's going to be London again. So we're just thinking which month we, we usually do in October or September. So just fixing the women who's going to be on the show. I just think it's fantastic to, to, to get women of any color and join together and bring the food together. And raise money, you know. I love that. And, and say the charity again. Action Against Hunger. Okay, that's It's wonderful. a big charity and we feed people, you know, all over the world. So they feed people there. Okay, and is it UK-based? It is, yes. Okay, yeah. And and we've got some good stuff in, in, in the US. Uh, no Kid Hungry yes. it is such a spectacular I think thing. you have to, as a small yeah. restaurant, I raised so much money for different charities because you have to do that. Yeah. It's, you know? it's such an interesting thing. People... Uh, Restaurants and chefs are always being called on to contribute this and this and that. And I don't think that consumers and realize how much is you're you're not just cooking food at your restaurant. You end up 
doing so many other things because you have to go and do PR and you want to do all the charity mm. things and it's there's so many other things that go into all of this. Well, then I think I prefer doing it in my restaurant because I think um, um, my restaurant just sold out and I used to, used to give opportunities to a lot of guest chefs who didn't have mm-hmm. their restaurants. They would come and cook in my restaurant. Mm-hmm. I would pay them and then also in a way people of, of Thornbury wouldn't be able to necessarily meet that person. They can meet these women or, or, or men and meet the new guest chefs and and do the charities like we have Grenfell Tower that gone burnt yes. you know so we raised for that cooking for Syria we raised money for them um, you know action against hunger Frank Water which is a charity based in India for clear water so and, and cancer charity and you do it because food you're not asking people to just give you money right. you're giving food to right. the people and then people are happily um, you know give, donate money to you I think that is something um, as a restaurant as a chef we are able to do that yeah and that's such a beautiful way to yes. again bring people together yes. and at these dinners too it's really fun because you don't always pick who you're, you're sitting with yes. and you end up making friends at the table exactly <laughs> and you, so you're doing a bunch of different dinners while you're in the states I know you're at the James Beard house tomorrow yes. then you're going to Nashville I'm also going to Philadelphia Library I'm doing a demo and oh. uh, and a talk there. They asked me to do that with the book. And then I'm going to Manish's place, uh, Eat Johan House. And Manish is amazing, amazing lady. And I'm going there and she's uh, doing a dinner with my book. That's, uh, I can't say enough good things about this book. I have uh, the copy in the office and those aren't even my tabs in there. <laughs> like somebody <laughs> borrowed it and, and and put the tabs in there because she uh, wanted to cook from it. Because it's, it's I mean, everybody should get this it it even if you're not strictly vegan all wedged i mean if you open this book Mm -hmm. you won't even notice it's a vegan book it's a plant-based it's the vegetarian food we eat in india you know so it's just really simple recipes yeah and i i think any time of year we we need this color in our life all the food is colorful and 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 beautiful and and just looking at that that those plates where there's something recently alive in there like it just does such a great thing for your soul I think also the photographer Del Sneedon did an amazing job and Matt Inwood um, who was styling and prop styling because I just come back from India I was very emotional with my mum and yeah. my chef Jim we, we were cooking and, and if you see each photography has reflect, sorry, reflected in a very different way yeah. because it, defle- it reflects my mood how I'm mm-hmm. thinking, how I'm sad or I'm happy. The photography has done very much justice to each and every page. I know that this is asking your favorite child or something, like yeah. that, but what are a couple of your absolute favorites out of here? I think the parathas. My mom's, um, you know, was a paratha queen. She was stuffed so many different ways. And, and all my friends still remember my mom with the parathas. It's Indian bread you mm-hmm. can make in different ways. But also khichri, which is lentil oh, and rice. Yes. Um, very dish for rich and poor people in India. So it's a it's something very comforting. And, and I can... Um, you know, relate to my mom making it when I was ill or was sad or something like that. And then there is a begging partha, which is roasted aubergine. Oh, good God. I want that so bad. <laughs> and I see you've got an okra. On, so on all here. these uh, ingredients and uh, are in, in the recipes. That's how it is. Well, I, I, 
what I, I have such a thing for okra so much so that I have an okra tattoo on my <laughs> arm and it's and it's red okra which is an heirloom. You should make an okra pickle. It's delicious. I love okra pickle. I love it so much. I love okra in absolutely every form and it's one of those things that also bridges so many different cuisines yes. that I really love. Uh, you know it shows up in so many different ways. So many different ways. And it makes me it's it, it's one it's a very maligned thing because people always think like oh it's got a snotty texture it's whatever. I'm like well, first of all I kind of love it yeah. in that but also it doesn't have to yeah. there's so many different ways that you can cook I it I think all, when I do re- I was researching about this book and then my next book I'm researching about I, I think, like when you say next book <laughs> <laughs> I think also um, how the traders took the seeds from one country to another yeah. or the I was when I was doing the mango um, I was researching about mangoes um, um, and 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 the uh, University of Oxford one of the guys who was a professor said um, mangoes also travel with pirates to different places really so you know when you're researching about so many you come to know all these things which you i would have never known all a lot of things and there are so many i did this bbc radio um, program with sheila dylan we did this mango program uh, we went to india and i went to india and then we talked about the mangoes there's so many different varieties of mango i have never seen so and the taste looked there's different like 400 or 500 uh, <laughs> more than uh, the guy who was i was um, interviewing said 500 varieties wow um, alone he had in his own, you know, wow place. So I think, um, and they all are all different shape, different sizes, different tastes, different color. And I think in the states, I've, I've only had one or two different <laughs> kinds. And I, you know, I've always. I have never been to India, and since I was a child, my my dad. Uh, picked up a Mother Joffrey cookbook and, and somehow it always said, you know, his, his dream. Best book. Yeah. And it, it, it was, this particular one was an invitation to Indian cooking. And, and the first book is the best book. I love it. It's such a great book mm. and, it, and it changed my eating life and I know his as well. Mm. And it had always been a goal. He's like, well, someday I, you know, I want to, to go and, and see India, but you know, my mother's been sick for years mm. and he can't really, you should come with trip. me. I know. I know. I, I want to bring my dad yes. uh, very badly because he was saying it's just something, you know, he wants he wants to see, and I and, and that's sort of the goal. I mean, and it's you know she's she's still quite sick, and it's he can't sort of take the time mm. away and stuff. So, you know, it's just one of those things that has loomed large in my head <laughs> for a very long time. But I do want to come with you. You should I, come with me. We'll be, take your dad. Let's he bring can a cam- come. Let's bring a camera. Let's he can a- speak. <laughs> my dad will. He'll, he'll, oh my dad gosh. will speak okay, English imagine, and my dad will just nod his head if our and dads, cook for you. <laughs> if our dads hang out together, I kind of love this. Like if our dads hang out together, mm. like I want that as a goal. Like mm, yeah. If he if your dad likes whiskey, so my dad loves whiskey. So yeah, <laughs> maybe he hasn't been so much of a whiskey person. He 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 likes one. He loves sambuca. Oh. So yeah, my dad loves uh, whiskey. Uh, so I could teach can. my dad to like whiskey. <laughs> hey, Dad, guess what we're doing next time? We did live in Kentucky for a very long time. So I am getting the signal from our producer. So I have some questions that I ask uh, everybody. Yes, and you may or may not have heard them. Play along. Um, I know you as a caretaker because you are the person who checks in. You check in on me because you know that I've been going through health yes. struggles and and of all body and mind and all that stuff. And I and I know you care for your daughters and you're just a person who when I say your name people just light up. It's just a really lovely thing cuz you know you you and sort of foster that that love in the world and you take care of other people. You're allowed to be selfish too. What <laughs> is and I believe in saying things out loud so other people can help you. What is the thing that you want that would make you happy? 
I think um, for me to take the decision of uh, closing restaurant and and doing that, I, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time with my daughters. And I, I since closing the restaurant, I've become so busy, so more busy that I yeah. haven't been able to spend time with my daughters. I really want to just go away with them and spend the quality time which I have I've lost. Yeah. I lost. Um, I'm very jealous of my husband because he's become so close with them, which is fantastic, which yeah. is very important for dads to have the relationship with the daughters or sons. But I just really selfishly just want to be with them and somebody cooking for me. <laughs> yes. Oh, I please somebody <laughs> do this. Like, I, I want you to have like a beautiful trip with them. And, yes. Uh, can you say their names? Or, uh, yes, they back. are Reet and Neve. Reet means um, tradition in India and Neve means foundation. Okay, and they're and and they're teenagers. They are teenagers. Oh they hate and love the mom. Well, the thing is, you're showing them what a strong, brilliant, kind uh, woman can do out in the world. And while you're not getting to spend as much time as you want with them right now, you're giving them such an, a great example of what they can achieve, and that, that's a gift. I think I opened my restaurant at the age of forty. I'm forty-seven now, forty-eight oh, this year soon. Same. So. Oh my gosh! So we're both. We're <laughs> so we can do it. We can rock. We can rock. <laughs> the world you know i just think rage is just a number when's your birthday 22nd may okay um august 1st uh, my daughter is 22nd uh, 23rd august she'll uh. kill me if i forget her name <laughs> <laughs> and her birthday um i think um yeah it, it, women can do anything anything when yeah. they set their mind up oh i love it so i ask people have you ever cried in the walk-in yeah <laughs> Why is it so great to cry in the walk-in? I think it's just um, I'm I'm a very sensitive person. Mm-hmm. I just I I just I don't know how I didn't cry today, uh, but I think I just I'm very sensitive. I I feel for others, and I just um, emotionally mm-hmm. I think connected with a lot of people, and I just I'm a very emotional person, and I cry for anything and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. I always want to cry. I'm not good at crying. Maybe I need to go and find a walk-in. Yeah. Um, so what is the toughest job in a restaurant? I think when people walk in those doors, right? Mm-hmm. If you're walking in those doors, um, if you have tap water, we are paying for VAT on that. And people mm-hmm. criticize. We are become behind the social media to criticize about uh, everything and anything, you know? I think they have to live in the shoes of the chefs who work for mm-hmm. me, myself or anyone. I think, um, you know, the long hours, you sacrifice so many things. We all have bad days. We all yeah. have bad days sometimes. I just think people need to be kind to, to the restaurant industry and we can be very, very unkind to people. This is absolutely true. Yes. So what are two cookbooks? So our, our wonderful uh, editor, Megan Soul, wants to turn people into really great cookbooks and... What is what are your two go-to cookbooks? One older and one newer. One is the Madhu Jaffrey's first book. I just just <laughs> love that. And I, you know, and, and there are a lot of books which I really like is reading and not even cooking from them. But my go-to book is is my daughter's love as well. Is is Mary Berry's cake? You know, mm. she's got loads of different ones. And and the one which was the first one, I've forgotten the name of it. And they go back to it, and I go back to it as well. And Delia Smith, you know, Delia's or Nigel. I have so oh, many of them and, and Jamie's five ingredients and the new vegetarian book is oh, amazing so, good. so I just think you just pick up a book that actually and also my 
you I, like you I get so many books sent and I mm-hmm. pick those up and and you know I also love um, the Zotun um, by oh, Yasmin Khan because she is telling your story through food and I like those kind of books she's showing humanity through food yes. so for for folks who don't know who she is or haven't haven't heard our lovely podcast with her it's uh food from palestine yes yeah our first book saffron trails is a fantastic book and and no one no one picked yeah. it up and talked about it. it's a beautiful beautiful yeah. book i think um sometimes people just forget that that you there yeah. is more to than just recipes you have to tell a story yeah and it and bringing that humanity yes. to food she does such a spectacular beautifully so what's your comfort food Cheese on toast. Ah, okay. okay. And do you have a particular method? Do you, do you toast it under the boiler? Is it in a pan? It, it has to be white bread. It has to be white bread. No brown bread and lots and lots of really cheddar cheese in Somerset. We have really oh, wonderful yeah. cheese and, and under the grill. It has to be under the grill. I cannot have it in the pan. It just has to be crispy and the and, and the sides really crumbs you know have that when you bite into that crunchy crunchy that and and then I have a little bit of chili pickle on the top (laughs) oh god that's so I want that right now that sounds so delicious what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional um I think I was um uh, recording for BBC Radio 4 and we were doing some judging and I went to this um pie place in in near Manchester and uh, I love the pies, and it brought me back a film memory when Harry met Sally Mormon. <laughs> didn't make me cry, though. It made me Ooh. so emotional. <laughs> emotional in a sense that it was so beautiful that the yeah. flavors in the mouth, the pie was so amazing. And he was a police officer who turned into cooking. Oh, I love and that. The, and he started pie business. Um, and beautiful pies. It's just something that is so beautiful. And also in London, I just don't want to pick up one thing of one restaurant. We have some fantastic restaurants around, you know. Yeah. And then my dad's dal. You know, no one mm. can make dal like him. He cooks in hours and hours and stays there and cooks. So I think you have to have those moments. But I think the pie moment was the moment for me I love that what, what is the last time that somebody cooked for you in their home my husband just before I came he made pizza every every single week he'll make pizza but somebody else's home because that's your oh, home my home someone uh or so, and, and somebody oh Melissa home. Hemsley I don't know if you know about her she's a fantastic food writer and her books just come out eat green um and she's got a couple of other books as well but she is the most kindest nicest person in the food industry and if she's ever here you must have yes. her in the park. she's such bubbly and the beautiful you know kindness she has and it comes and shows in the food oh I love that so what living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook for them so you know do you know Stromzy I do not yeah so he's like a rapper in UK um I definitely want to cook for him and Eminem what would you make for them I will make a butter chicken oh wow (laughs) butter chicken and naan oh my gosh like that lucky lucky That's my my daughter still can't believe I like, listen to rap, 50 cents or anybody. <laughs> they can't understand. Mommy does all these things. I said, oh, yeah, I was young once. <laughs> <laughs> We're still young, damn it. <laughs> I love it. And, and do they listen to rap? They do. They love Stormzy and they love a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, they have um, Sean Manders. They like mm-hmm. um, Ed Sheeran. 
and a lot of other people, you know. A lot of the UK hip hop doesn't come over here as much. We only, uh, it's, uh, we got like the streets and which I like the first few albums. I think maybe because of the accident and I just like it because I think my daughters used to put that music all the time. He was the opening act for Glastonbury last year. Oh, wow. So he is amazing. He's a black guy. He's wonderful. He comes from very, you know, and he's very strong. And I think his music, you should listen to him. And and he also collaborates with different people. And he's just wonderful. Wait, okay. So you said Glastonbury. I just watched a video of some young kid being brought up on stage at Glastonbury. So that's him. That's him. Oh, he's phenomenal. Okay. So I do know who he is. Fantastic. He's phenomenal. And it was a song about a football player. Yes. That kid crushed it. That yes, kind of he did. <laughs> I don't know what he was on, but he I, did. He admitted to being <laughs> not in his entire right moment. That was very funny. Okay, so I do know. Yeah, okay, so I need to go and listen to more of his stuff. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's really good. Oh, so you have five uninterrupted minutes to yourself. What do you do for self-care? I wish I could do, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm very hyper. What I do now is get up in the morning. I don't like, want to speak to anyone. And those five minutes, I just have a moment to myself before I do anything else. Yeah. Just thought of the day. Be kind to people. Try to be kind. Try to be kind. You are. You are. I'll just say it out here. You are. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I I can't express enough how much I want people to pick up this book because it's it's not just recipes it's an expression of your love for your mother and it's that that they can then you know help carry on that story and have this beautiful food and have some of you in their life I feel lucky that I get to have you in my life and this is a way that other people can as well if they want to pick it up in in stores they can do it they can amazon or anywhere yeah Uh, what i love about before i before go is is the forward by alan jenkins you know alan he's never given a forward to anybody and i i so appreciated him giving a beautiful beautiful forward he is a wonderful Uh, writer and really thoughtful and yes he is he's a wonderful editor of observer food awards and he writes beautiful he's a lovely author um i just um he's written through from the heart and i i think no one else would have summed my book to really write that you've said is a love letter to my mum. And, and, and it is, you're so right. You're so right about it. So if people want to enter your beautiful world through social media, uh, what are all the places they can find you? Um, Instagram. I like Instagram. I don't like to be too political on Twitter. I just like sharing and caring for people. And I, I can be political in my way. And I don't like fighting with anybody. I don't want to do that because I think we are we live in an unkind world at the moment. And and being kind is what I want to do um, in 2020 more. Uh, what what are your handles? Uh, it's Romy Gill. Um, mm. Very easy. Zero eight. Uh, I think it's Romy Gill. That's it. And Instagram and Twitter as well. Romy Gill. Yeah. Um, you might see my MBE on there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just a quick thing. How did you become a member of the British Empire? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> when when the letter came, I just kept it on the side, and, said, and I just saw another another bill. My daughter opened, and she was screaming and shouting, and I was like, "Yay!" And I rang the cabinet office three times, and I said, "Is that really for me? You have not mistaken. Why do you want to give me?" And they couldn't stop laughing. But uh, it was such an amazing moment. So we went to the Buckingham Palace with my family. And I, I think coming from a little town in Burnpur from West Bengal to, to achieving all this is, is something I still can't believe it. <laughs> so note that when you were following her, you were following a member of the British Empire, which I, th- I'm, I just am tickled by that every time I, I see it. And 
people are going to be able to watch your shows yes, too. Yes. So they're coming up on uh, BBC on BBC One. Yes, BBC One March the second, I think it starts. So very soon. Okay, and hopefully we'll be able to pick that up in yes. the states. Thank you so much for for coming here today and just for everything you put out in the world. Thank you for inviting me, Kat. And people, by Zika, it will change your life. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much to our guest today, Romy Gill. You can find her on social. We'll put all of her handles in, in here. Please pick up Zyka wherever you buy books. Independent booksellers are pretty great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, as we've established, she will sign it for you if, yes. you, if you find her in in public. So please go and enter her fantastic world. Thank mm-hmm. you to our producers, Ali Tarpley, Jennifer Martnick, and Margot Gotthelf. Thank you to Douglas Wagner for our delightful themes song and and our fantastic camera people and and technicians who switch around all the time but i am happy to see any one of their faces and they bring this all to you and this is part of food and wine pro which if you don't know is a really wonderful resource for people in the industry or people who care about people in the industry to talk about what's really going on in in the lives and businesses of people who bring us food and and food culture and uh you can go to foodwine.com Follow the link to Food and Wine Pro. Sign up for the newsletter, which uh, you get you get a message every week from our editor in chief, Hunter Lewis. Occasionally, I pinch hit in there as well. He's generous enough to let let me do this. We bring you the news of the week, a, a thought for the week, a meditation from our incredible associate food editor and meditation coach, Kelsey Youngman. And you can find the latest podcast in there as well. And uh, sign up and subscribe. You can find this podcast wherever you happen to get them you can you know apple uh spotify through your your fillings however it is where on any of these platforms however if you can leave a comment if you can leave a star that helps other people find us and lets us keep doing this podcast and which you know selfishly i really want to keep doing so if you can possibly help spread the word i would be so grateful and if there's a guest you think uh would be fantastic on this or a topic you'd like for us to address i'm pretty easy to find i'm kitten with a whip on twitter cat kinsman on instagram and really hit me up let me know what is going on in your life and what you want to hear about and the most important thing take good care of yourself until the next time